One, two, three, four. T to G to I to F to F. Thank God it's first. Thank God it's first. Thank God it's first. T to G to I to F to F. Thank God it's first. Thank God it's first. Friday. I am Brother Luke Rowicki. I am Brother Andrew Tory. And this is TGIF. F. Brother Andrew. Can you remind us, this is episode number two. Number two. What did we talk about last time in episode number one? Well, Brother Luke, since apparently you have a short-term memory. <laughs> last episode, we talked about the Dunque Hermeneutic. Mm. And for those, those of you who are not etymological scholars out there, Brother Luke, what does Dunque mean in Italian? Dunque is therefore, thus, with that being said, dot, 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 dot. Of course. Very good. <laughs> and hermeneutic comes from the Greek word. The Greek god Hermes. Very good. The messenger. Uh-huh. And so it is now translated or understood as interpretation. Very good, Brother Luke. Thank you. Thank you. I'm surprised you. at all these... Uh, Why are you surprised? I don't know. Well, I'm, maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by your, your knowledge of, of words. So, yeah. So the Dunque hermeneutic was our last episode, and that was to introduce to you folks the way that we want to share our lives with you. Why are we doing this? Because, number one, because God has given us so much, and we want to share that with you. Um, and number two, because by looking at our lives, we can, we can, if we put the right glasses on, we can see all that God is telling us through events in our lives, through, through other people, through what we read, through what we see. And that's what the Dunque Hermeneutic is. The Dunque Hermeneutic is like, looking at your life and saying, and? so, Or looking at an event and saying, so what is this telling me? Because you so, can live on the surface right. and just go through the motions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or you can really take life by the horns. Exactly. Take life by the horns and look at it and, and try to get something out of it. So it's like a, a way to interpret, a hermeneutic, a way to interpret what is going on in our lives. So that's what, that's what last episode was about. And that's what hopefully we can continue to do in episode number two. Amen. So, but before we go into our episode today, which we're going to talk about the month-long retreat, the month-long retreat that we had this summer, 30 days long, but Luke wanted to mention something. Yes, so on Instagram, yeah. br.luke.rowicki.lc. A little shout-out to his own Instagram <laughs> account. And Facebook, um, <laughs> where you can also find brother Andrew, Tori. Uh, I called this 30-day retreat... The spiritual exercises of Saint Ignatius. I called it the 30-day date, and I put out there the 30-day date challenge, mm -hmm. because the what we did this retreat was spending 30 days with the person we love the most mm -hmm. and who loves us the most. God Himself. And it was 30 seconds for 30 days. The challenge to, was yes, yeah. the the challenge to make time 30 seconds. We should all be able to be able to do that if we find. Time to eat, we find time to sleep. We also need to feed our souls, our starving souls, with time with, with our maker and our creator. And so today, we want to do something similar and spend 30 minutes taking you on a journey through our 30-day retreat. That's right. 30. And it's a four-part retreat. And we're going to begin um, mentioning what the each part, uh, the theme of each part, mm -hmm. and go asking each other questions and... That's right. Squeezing out Squeezing the juice. Squeezing out the juice. Squeezing out the juice because we are the the Dunque hermeneutic is it's like an orange, right? It's you here in here in Rome you can you can get what's called a spremuta. Spremuta. So which means like something that's squeezed out, like a squeezed out drink. So you go inside a bar and you ask, Hey, I'd like a spremuta d'arancia. 
Okay, uh, a squeezed-out orange drink. Highly <laughs> which, recommended. Which doesn't sound like very uh, elegant in English, but that's what the translation is. Basically, just you know, you know an orange, fresh-squeezed orange juice. And so what we do is we, our life is an orange, right, Brother Luke? Obviously, it's an orange. That's the first thing that comes to mind. <laughs> and you squeeze out all the juices. So we're, that's what we want to do with the, the awesome experience we had on the, the 30-day retreat. And it's, life is so good, but it's easy to be fooled. A couple of days ago, we saw Spider-Man Far From Home. Mm-hmm. And I think it helps lead into what we're going to talk about because there's a line I really liked. Spider-Man is face-to-face with the bad guy, the bad guy who must not be guy. named because I don't want to spoil it for anyone. It's a really good movie. It had me on the edge of my seat. A lot of twists. And this, this bad guy is sort of hypnotizing Spider-Man. And he says, it's easy to fool someone who's fooling themselves. And the real juices of life are sometimes not as visible as the fake ones. And there's a lot of fake, fake oranges to squeeze out there mm-hmm. that are all dried up. That are kind of dried up. Yeah. And mm-hmm. those are things that maybe we see in movies or hear in music. And God wants us to experience life in a whole new way, in a lot deeper and, and juicier way. Mm-hmm. And so the first week of this retreat is all about our identity, who we are in God's eyes and why we're here on this earth, and what we're made for. So Brother Andrew, start us off. What did you get from this, this so that, first week? Yeah, that first week, it was, it was a really beautiful week. And when we say week in the retreat, we don't refer to seven days. We refer to a phase that St. Ignatius, the, the, the Jesuit founder who started this, this retreat 500 years ago, the, the way they're doing this retreat, the weeks, according to St. Ignatius, are a phase in the retreat, right? So like Brother Luke just said, the first week, which for us lasted eight days long, is about who we are in God's eyes. And the Don't you wish we could always have like an extra day in the week to get things done? It like, would why be nice. is it that every week has to be seven days? Why can't? Well, uh, you know, the Gregorian calendar was reformed in the 1300s or 1400s, something like that. And I don't know. Sometimes I wish there was an extra Sometimes 24 hours. It would be nice. But, you know, if you can't get things done, you just, <laughs> you just like be at peace and continue forward. I don't know. That's yeah, good advice. it would be nice. It would be nice to, to have more time. But yeah, so the first week, I thought a lot about God as my father. The first week that went from July 20th to the 27th this year. Um, and I thought of God as, uh, like I just said, my father, but not somebody who is expecting me to fulfill something or to to like measure up to a certain level of perfection or goodness or moral, yeah, moral perfection. Like you have to do these, like these certain things, you know, one, a really good criticism of Christianity, of Catholicism, which, you know, I think is, I think is, I agree with the, I agree with the criticism is that sometimes we get the perspective, we get the idea that, oh, it's just about a bunch of rules, about a bunch of things that we have to fulfill. Um, and I, I would hate that idea. And that, that's not the faith that I follow. The faith that I follow and what I went deep in this first week is I, my God is somebody who is my father and, I, and he, he loves me for who I am. That doesn't mean that he wants me to stay as I am because he's a God who is demanding. Um, he, wants, he wants me to be, to be like him, which will only happen in heaven fully. Um, but in thinking about God as my father, I... It just really hit me that, like I said, we don't have to fulfill expectations with, with him. He just wants to he just wants to be with us. He 
Our God is a God of communion. He wants to be one with us, communion. And the devil's role, what he wants to do is he wants to, he wants to eat away at that relationship. Think of a, of a cabin in, in the forest, right? A log cabin, you go out there for, for summer, summer vacation. And the, the walls, obviously all made of wood, on the outside they can look great, but you know, everything can apparently look like, they're in, like it's in order. But uh, maybe when you start leaning against the wall and all of a sudden your elbow goes through and <laughs> you discover that termites invaded the, the cabin there. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, who would, who would like that, you know? Termites just, and that's what can happen in our lives when we start letting uh, little seeds, little maggots or termites of distrust to get in our relationship between us and the Father. That was the first sin. Adam and Eve, the first sin was a sin of distrust because they doubted in what God had, and the wisdom of, the, of what God said to them. You know, you, do, you can't eat from this, this tree. And they're like, well, you know, I, I think we can. They, they, they mistrusted him. And so what the devil wants to do is he wants to separate us from our father. He wants to, he wants to eat away at communion. He wants us to be... That's what devil, devil means, actually, in Greek. It means the divider, the one who separates us. Diabolos. Exactly, diabolos. Uh, I'm two for two today in yeah, my Greek. my gosh, Brother Luke. Brother Andrew, what you said about rules is interesting because would you say the rules in the Catholic Church don't matter or is there another way to look at the Ten Commandments? There's another way to look at the doctrine of the Church. Do we throw all that out or mm-hmm. is it another perspective? Because I, I remember there was an example yeah. uh, I saw in the U series, shout out. The U series, what's that? Y O U. It was uh, about theology of the body. Okay. And uh, Brother Angie and I had uh, worked with it a little bit, worked with our, okay. the youngsters in Washington, D.C. Oh, yeah, D.C. Okay. And there was an example of a dad. So, using an example of a father, which I love. Uh huh. And also, that's how Jesus revealed um, God to us, is that he's a, a father. Uh, that said to his younger son, do not go out into the back alley. And that can sound like a rule. And then, as, as children of God, we can say, well, I feel less free because I can't go to the back alley. Mm-hmm. And one day the dad getting home from work notices his son uh, kind of ashamed hiding behind the couch, but he's limping mm-hmm. as he walks. And yeah. every, every time his right foot came down, he would have a little limp. And so his dad goes up to him and says, what happened? And the son tries to deny it, says nothing, 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 his little four or five-year-old son. And then he realizes there's really something wrong. There's, there's actually blood on the floor. And he said, uh, son, what's wrong? And he said, I have a piece of glass on my foot. And the dad immediately realized that he had gone to the back alley and uh-huh. he stepped on the piece of glass yeah. and he was hurt. And I think it helped me realize that there's there's a reason behind the rules. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's not what we don't see at first. That the rules are important, mm-hmm. but they're rules that come from a father who loves us and wants to protect us and guide us. And yeah, the rules are a means to an end. So it's not like. Oh, we have to fulfill these rules, and like, if you do this, then you'll be happy. Or you do this, you'll be a perfect Christian. And no, the rules are for us to be fully free and fully alive. Amen. That's what that's what a, a rule is for. We have a, there's a lot of uh, at least in today's culture, there's a big tendency to exalt freedom over all things, but freedom has to be within who we are. If you separate freedom from who we are as human beings. Freedom becomes just this huge cloud that just keeps on expanding and has no limits. And that's dangerous because then we start saying, oh, I have freedom to 
do whatever I want. I have, because freedom is the most important thing. So anything is good as long as it's a free choice. As long as, it, as long as I decide, as long as I'm being authentic to myself and I decide to do something, then it's good. There's, so, a, there's a geography teacher here in Italy who asked his class, okay, I want everyone to take out a piece of paper and a pen and draw Italy, draw our beautiful country. Mm -hmm. And so all the kids did it. And then he, he grabbed one of the pieces of paper as an example and showed it to everyone and said, you didn't draw Italy, you drew what Italy isn't. Mm -hmm. and I think that goes with what you were just saying uh -huh, because uh -huh. to draw Italy, you have to draw the border, the uh -huh. boundaries of Italy. Yeah. Uh -huh. And so there's, it's a beautiful mystery that part of who we are yeah. is actually comes from the boundaries of what we're not. Yeah. To understand uh -huh. what a human is, it helps understand what a human is not. Right. Mm -hmm. To understand what our freedom is, our true freedom, uh, it helps understand exactly. that there are limits. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the limits are there out of love. Limits come from God's love because he doesn't want us to step on glass. Amen. So the first week was about all about God the Father who's, who's there for us and he wants to be with us. And the devil separates us from him. And that's terrible. It's just, it's awful. And that's called sin, what Brother Andrew was saying. I, I uh, reflecting on this first week after we go through identity and who we are and why we're here, we also talk about sin, which Brother Andrew was beginning to introduce, sin and then God's mercy, of course. And I had a really uh, impacting image that came to me in prayer on sin. I looked at my soul, and the idea came to me as my soul is this beautiful, pristine lake. Mm-hmm surrounded by evergreen trees, sandy shores, mm. purple mountains, Man, purple mountain fruit, majesty. Above the fruited plain. <laughs> <laughs> and, this, and this beautiful scenery that you, can, that you can put yourself in that scene if you'd like. And that's our soul because our soul is something invaluable. It has infinite value. So mm -hmm. like a, even it's a beautiful lake would pale in comparison. The beauty of our soul. And what is sin? Sin is taking garbage and throwing it in. These things that seem like they're good, but not just garbage like candy wrappers and straws and other things that, that kill dolphins. Mm -hmm. yeah. But also... We love dolphins. Syringes, yeah. rusty bed frames, oily uh -huh. car parts. Uh -huh. And as you continue throwing these things, after a while, the, the pond that was beautiful becomes filthy yeah. and black. And, and all of a sudden, you don't even recognize it. And God's mercy is Jesus jumping in. So I was imagining Jesus walking on that sandy shore... And looking, you know, with hurt in his eyes at this pond. And almost without me having to ask him, he knew what I wanted and he dives in and he starts cleaning it out himself. Mm -hmm. And that's what confession is like. And sometimes we're ashamed because we have this dirty pond and I don't want to go in front of a priest and tell this guy yeah. about all these all this garbage I've been throwing into my pond, yeah. into my soul. But we have to remember it's, it's Christ there who's listening to us yeah. and is so happy to receive us even, even though our pond is black to restore us again yeah, and give us that, that beautiful, fresh, fresh, fresh water, fresh look, fresh water, crystalline waters. So, yeah. so that, that was week one. Yeah. Then week two, the, the journey continues. We've gone through our identity and who we are, God's mercy. And then God does something incredible. He forgives us in confession. And that was how week one ended. And That's week, how week one ended. And week, and week, two, week began. two begins with Jesus, God becoming man. And so Brother Andrew, Jesus becoming man. Did your image of Jesus, because, you know, in, growing up in catechism and in, in the church and religion class, you hear about Jesus. Did your image of Jesus transform, change, mm -hmm. undergo yeah. any type of 
in that second week. Yeah, so our second week was nine days long. Um, we actually had a we had a we had a hike day, like a little break, ah, yes. a little break day before the second week started. So we did our first week eight days, and then we had a hike day, which meant for us in the seminary we say hike it means we just go out to some rural area, the countryside with our trees and some mountains, like a little pathway, and we just we can there's a field there we can play soccer or play some board games, just get out get out of the city, get some fresh air. So we did that for a full day. And then we came back here energized and pumped to start the second week. Though. And we just dive right in. We just dive, dove right in. And the ni- those nine days, so did my image of Jesus change in those nine days? Well, that was a week that I didn't want to end. Hmm. Um, I mean, there are some moments like, like, uh, like you know, when you're, when, you're, when you're trying to lead a spiritual life, most of your prayer time is dry. And by dry, I mean like you're there kneeling down or sitting or whatever, and you're trying to be with God. You're trying to, yeah, you're, you're praying. You're trying to pray, and it's just like, it's all like, blah. So we had, there were a lot. Happens lots, to the best of us. Happens to the best. Happens to, the, happens to everybody. So um, so even though it's true, I, I really loved that week because there was so much time to to go to go deep into the, the into Christ. Like you said, when Christ became man, his birth, his, his public ministry, all the miracles, all the parables, that was so beautiful. Um, there were a lot of times, like I was saying earlier, where you where you you get you it'd be kind of dry, you know. Um, and here in Rome during the summer, it was it was actually very hot. Uh, <laughs> it would be usually there was like a week or two that was it was pretty much always like a hundred degrees or something. It felt like it with, and the, with the, humidity. the humidity. Yeah, so that was so that was a, that was a challenge. Um, but we didn't just do we doinquade. We doinquade, and so we we pulled out even from those moments of dryness. Yeah, and exactly. heat and humidity, you can. Yeah, God is trying to speak to us. So. Yeah, exactly. And actually, through those dry moments that I had in that in the second week and and throughout the retreat, um, because I came into the retreat um, thinking, oh, I'm going to be on a, a retreat for a month, so I'm surely going to have a deep experience of God, right? You know, I've been in the seminary for ten years, religious life for eight. Same thing for Brother Luke, and you know, we're trying to grow closer to God. You know, we have our we fall a lot, we get up again, but we're 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 trying. So I thought, hey, we, there, God's going to give, give me some powerful experience of him, of himself during the retreat. And actually, most of the time that I spent praying was kind of dry. And so I was thinking about that. I, was, uh, I think that God, through my dryness, wanted me to sort of hit refresh on my, on my page, like, why am I praying? Why do I go and kneel down? Why do I? Why am I dedicating time um, to prayer? Because every day we during our retreat we had uh, four hours throughout the day, um, two in the morning, two in the afternoon. We would have mass, we'd have adoration, rosary, time for exercise. Most of the day was was spent in in specifically dedicated to prayer. So why do I do all that? And I think he wanted me to realize that I don't. I sh- I shouldn't pray because I want something out of it or I shouldn't be there because I want you know some sort of like good feelings or I want to be you know motivated or I want to or just whatever no I'm there because I love him I'm there because I love him you know when you go out um, you know with somebody you love you know husband or wife girlfriend boyfriend or, or some family member sometimes you don't you don't plan what you're gonna do 
You're just happy to be with that person because you love that person. The same thing with God. You're there because you love him. And that needs to be our motivation. That's what that's one lesson that I got from the second week. So, what about you? That's great. I, I had similar dryness many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also taught me just a lesson that I can find God in any circumstance in my life because if it was only 30 days of retreat where I had to silence my cell phone, put on airplane mode, or was off, uh-huh. and I have to, I can't leave the seminary and all that, and only in those circumstances will I will I be able to touch God, mm-hmm. then that'd be sort of disappointing because yeah. our lives aren't that. Right. And no one has a life. Even even monks have work to do and and tomatoes to cultivate and beer to <laughs> brew. Beer to brew, chocolate to chocolate. Chocolate. <laughs> and so, but it, the great part is, is that God can be found in any circumstance, any, and so even in the dryness. Thankfully, uh, yeah. Those, those 30 days yeah. were me, still Luke, with my same distractions as normal. But I found God in that. And there was one moment, especially during that second week, uh, it was the story of the adulterous woman from the Gospel of John. And the circumstance, as we know, is this, this woman is caught by these Pharisees in the act of committing adultery. And so they say she's brought to Jesus, who's there preaching one morning. And they throw her in the middle of this ring, at least the way that I picture it. And she's there in the center, ashamed of what she's done. And the Pharisees demand that Jesus answers their question. What should they do? Because Moses says she should be stoned. It yeah. was very clear, uh-huh. written yeah. just as that, in, that in, if, in the law, yeah. if someone commits adultery, that's the punishment. For a woman to commit adultery, that's the punishment. And so Jesus, it would seem like is trapped because if he says stoner, that's what Moses said, then he's, he lacks compassion mm-hmm. and he's a man who preaches compassion. And if he says, no, leave her alone, then he's not following, he's not faithful to Moses and to yeah, the law. It's a dilemma. Mm-hmm. So then what is, how does Jesus respond? And as uh, the gospel passage tells us, he says, let him who is without sin be the first to throw a stone. Mm-hmm. And with that, the Pharisees... What a great one-liner. Uh, he's, he's full of them. He pulls them out of his hat all the he's, time. He's amazing. I guess when you, with infinite wisdom, there's infinite one-liners. So yeah. I invite you to go uh, as you open up your Bibles here and there. If you can do it every day, great. Find your favorite one-liner and let us know what yeah. it is. But that's definitely one of my top one-liners of Jesus. And so after this one-liner, the Pharisees, they, they drop the stones at their feet and they walk away. And so it's there, he's there with this woman. I put myself in the, in the mm-hmm. place of that woman mm-hmm. and I felt Jesus grab me by both shoulders, pick me up. So I was standing and I was looking at him in the eyes and he said with so much confidence and compassion, I will not let you down. Because I think in that moment, even subconsciously a little bit, there was part of me that still wasn't fully able to trust Jesus or give myself completely. Because I thought, ah, well, just like, you know, many other people or everyone else in some at least small way has let me down, God also will somehow let me down. Like this mm-hmm. this desire I have to be 100% satisfied with him. Yeah. I don't know if God will be completely out of it because no one in our experience on earth gives us that total happiness that we yeah. seek. Yeah. But that's always a good reminder that well, we're not made just for this world, we're made for him. And so only Jesus can, can say those words without being a liar. Yeah. That I will not let you down. Yeah. As much as we love someone, I would like to think I'll never let Brother Andrew down. Mm-hmm. But sometimes when sometimes. he asks me to play Catan, oh, man. I gotta let him down and say, say no. Brother Andrew, I have to make gelato you're, for 300 people today. Well, you're just afraid of losing Catan. I have to make gelato for 300 people today. I'll take gelato and Catan. 
I wish I could be there, but uh, so anyways, that's an example. But yeah. Jesus, only Jesus can say that He won't let us down. Yeah. And so that leads us to where He shows us that with with utmost clarity in His passion. So week three. Yeah, week three, the passion and death of Jesus. But Andrew, what strikes you about Holy Thursday, Good Friday, the passion and death of Jesus? So that week lasted six days long, and I honestly I saw when I saw the schedule for the for the for week three. I was thinking one day was dedicated to Holy Thursday and five days to the Passion. And I was thinking five days about the cross. How am I going to get through this? <laughs> like, I really, yeah, me too. I, I really yeah. thought I was, I mean, I, I know the cross is a deep mystery that you can, that you can plumb to the depths, but I was, I was a little, you know, nervous about spending so much time. Entering the ring of fire, as the, Johnny Cash might say. The ring of fire, that's right, the man himself. So I was struck in those six days by the silence of Jesus on the cross. The hmm. silence of Jesus on the cross. Because you have, there's very few, there are very few things that he says on Good Friday when he's, when he's being, you know, when he's arrested and he's locked up and he's taken before Pilate and he's being judged and he's whipped and scourged and crowned and then nailed to the cross. Um, there's very, there are very few things that he says. And whenever he speaks, it's, it's never, ever for his own good. It's always to help somebody else. Yeah. So when he's speaking to Pilate, when Pilate says, aren't you a king? Um, Jesus doesn't say, oh, yeah, I'm a king. You better watch out because I'm going to send my henchmen to come you know, take you out if you send me to be crucified. No, he, he's... <laughs> and that's probably what I would have done if I were... Yeah, I mean, that's... If I were yeah. all-powerful. Exactly. And... I mean, how... And he could have... And, and exactly. He could have... He was all-powerful. He could have... He could have... It could have ended differently. But he just let himself be um, handed over and crucified. It, it, like he said, you know, I, I'm the good shepherd. I lay down my life and I take it back up again. This command I have received from my father. So, but, but he, so he was laying down his life. And he was like a lamb led to the slaughter. He was silent. And whenever he spoke, it was either to tell Pilate, um, you know, well, whoever's handed me over to you has, has the greater sin. Or when he's speaking to John, the apostle from the from the cross, John's at the at the foot of the cross. He's saying, um, "Son, behold your mother." Or when he's speaking to the daughters of Jerusalem, who are weeping over him because they're accompanying him as he's walking on the way of the cross, and they're these women are obviously they're weeping for him, and and Jesus says, "Don't don't worry about me. You know, weep for those who are um, for those who will die in their sin." I can't remember the exact line right now, but. It's whenever he speaks, it's always about somebody else. Even yeah, to the good thief. Saying, exactly. Today you'll be you will be with me in paradise. So it's always about it's always about somebody else. And he receives all the abuse, he receives all of the insults, all the the sarcastic remarks from the chief priests, from the scribes, from the people there just just um, just laughing at him, being the laughing stock of everybody. He takes it all on himself, he doesn't respond. And he and, and why does he do it? Just just to show us the extremity of his love. Because he could have stopped it, like you said. He's all powerful. He could have stopped it, but he didn't. So that was that was one and one I, I want a, a book recommendation for you guys um, that I read <laughs> or I read during those days. <laughs> Father John Bartunic, comma L C, a fellow legionary, uh, very eloquent priest. And he wrote a book. Great priest. He wrote a book called Inside the Passion, 
and it's it's not very long. It's probably about 120, 150 pages with pictures. It's yeah, exactly with pictures. So the front, the the cover of the book is in color. So that's a that's a positive point. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd buy it just for that reason. Exactly. But the book is very good because it details his experience with the actors and with Mel Gibson in making the the movie The Passion of the Christ. Because Father John was was helping that helping with that. Yeah. He was a consultant for the for the movie. And so I read I read that book during during this hmm. third the third week and it was it was very enlightening. It really helped me to to take apart the mystery of the passion. So hmm. so yeah. What about you? Third week? Would you would you get out of that? I just gonna continue what you were saying because for me it was there was one experience I had at the foot of the cross. Just place my there, place myself there uh, in a way they call it contemplation when you sort of put yourself in the scene mm-hmm. and contemplating there from the scene. I was listening to the people making fun of Jesus. I was hearing him, his asphyxiated breaths, mm-hmm. and seeing the blood drip down from the cross. And you see, wow, he's, he's in so much pain, and it's because of my sins, because I've offended him, because I've broken this relationship with God so many times in my own life. I said, Lord, I can't make myself, bring myself to look up at you on the cross, because I was there just at his, at his feet, but I couldn't lift up my head and lift up my gaze and to, and to see him, to look at him. And he said, huh, finally you get it. <laughs> and I was sort of surprised with this because then I was able to look up at him and say, huh? And he said, that's what mercy is. It's a gift. Uh-huh. You can't deserve it. You're, of course you're not worthy uh-huh. to look at me. I'm God who's here laying down my life for you, but I want to because that's what love is. I don't love you because you've done something for me. I love you because I want your good. Mm-hmm. And it's just what you were saying. I was so Im- impressed and it's not like it's the first time I've, I've heard this, but in a, in a new way, kind of renewed my faith yeah. and my attraction to the person of Jesus because he's, he's an attractive personality, he's a, his character. And yeah. no matter how much we hurt him to the soldiers, there was indifference. I feel like that for me would be maybe even harder than the mockery. It's just the fact that people are, mm-hmm. are indifferent. Yeah. There's a guy gambling for Jesus' tunic while he's suffering. Yeah, throwing this, the dice out. Yeah, this terrible torture. And he mm. responds with love. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah. And so that, it, yeah, it won me over because mm-hmm. his love seems to have no bounds and it's, and it's true. Yeah. And so just that idea that mercy is never going to be something we deserve, mm-hmm. but something we can always expect if we ask for it was, was beautiful. And, and it all, you know, comes, you know, we know that Jesus dies on the cross and he's buried in the tomb. Mm-hmm. But the story does not Story does not end there. Does not finish with that. There's another page. You got to keep turning the book, and so we did that in got the fourth the fourth week, week. Fourth week, which lasted four days. Four days, actually. Yeah. So it so. wasn't it was the shortest week. That would be a great uh, week for like a school week. You know, school is like or work is like yes. five days. I've heard of that. I've heard of that model: a four-day week and a three-day weekend. I've heard of that. I don't know. I, I'd be totally behind that. I don't know where. Um, some people have, I, I know it's been proposed in some places. Um, I think it'd be worth investigating, you know, seeing. But I don't know, I guess I... I still change. I guess I, <laughs> I guess, I don't know, if I were a parent, I'd rather have, I'd rather have my kids in school five days, actually. <laughs> so it depends on who you are, with yeah, respect yeah. to where you come from. Yeah, exactly. But, so, but Andrew, the fourth week is all about that next page, the resurrection, new life in Christ. Yeah. Um, what did you get from that? Because, interestingly enough, when uh, I've talked to some other brothers about this, and I've had this experience myself, it's easier 
to reflect on totally. yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus on the cross. Uh-huh. It's harder to reflect on Jesus, ta-da, risen, risen from the dead. glorious, uh-huh. unrecognizable mm-hmm. at first for the apostles. So enlighten us enlighten with the light of the resurrection. With the light, the risen light of Christ, as we say on Easter, the Easter vigil. Yeah. So it's easier to think about Jesus dying, and it's harder to think about Jesus risen. Why is that like that? Maybe it's because we all know what it's like for people to suffer. We all know, we've seen, well, I personally haven't, haven't ever um, been privileged to accompany somebody in their last moments. I've never seen anybody die. Um, have you, by any chance? I had, um, s- almost. Almost? I, okay. I was with a uh, longtime pastor in Orvieto. Okay. My first Easter here in Italy. Okay. And he passed away on Holy Thursday, if I, don't, if I remember correctly, okay. and I saw him on Holy Wednesday late evening. Oh, my goodness. Okay. And he was kind of there taking yeah. his last breaths, and it was um, later on during the wake, so the next couple of days, there were just people continually visiting wow. his coffin. Must have really touched them. And it was, yeah, and you saw that he was a man who'd given himself for others, and so mm-hmm. all these people wanted to, um, yeah. yeah, I guess, give him homage mm-hmm. before he, um, wow. yeah, as he, yeah, he made this next transition into eternal life. Yeah. But other than that, no, I yeah. haven't experienced that particularly like you're... Mm-hmm. Yes, but so we, we all pretty much know what it's like, even if we haven't personally experienced. We know what it's like for people to suffer. We know what it's like uh, for people to die. So we, we, we can easily picture that happening to Jesus. But we've never seen anybody come back from the dead. Nobody has ever seen that happen. I haven't either um, this time. Not yet. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it'll, well, maybe 60 years from now, if you, if you survive me, maybe you'll see. Maybe you'll see something happen. But... So I think that's maybe why it's hard, because we don't have any experience. Humanity only has one case where somebody has come back from the dead and stayed alive, which is, you know, Christians, we believe it's Jesus. So maybe that's why it's hard, because we just don't have the, the experience. Um, it's definitely, it's, it's sort of like when you go up to, it's, when, you, when we live Lent, you know, we're kind of like going up this mountain, and then you get to the top, and Jesus dies, and then he's risen, and then you start going down the mountain, and it's like a week after Easter, and then it's like normal life again. You know, it's even yeah. in the the cycle of the same old same year. Old. It's, yeah. but it shouldn't be like that. But, but anyways, it is. So it's it's harder to, to think about the resurrection, but it's exciting because it means we're going to heaven. It's it means eternal life. It means unending, ever growing joy. It means continuously. Perceiving the, the goodness of God in greater and newer and more profound ways. Um, and that all sounds very abstract. Um, and it's hard for us to grasp our minds around it because no eye has seen, no ear has heard what, what God has prepared for those who love him. We'll find out. And uh, I, I don't know, I like surprises. So uh, the, other day I, the other day somebody brought me a surprise. Um, it was actually, well, it wasn't totally a surprise, but, <laughs> but I asked, I, I gave a tour the other day for um, uh, a family from Louisiana, and they brought me two huge jars of Jif peanut butter. Oh, yes. and he still hasn't shared. Uh, I well, can't believe they're, it. they're in my room. They're unwrapped. Okay. I didn't know what type of peanut butter they would bring, so that was a surprise that it was Jif. So uh, that's Could my little... Skippy or peanut or Exactly. I, they were actually proposed... Jif is the best. I, I was thinking that, but I was like, you get whatever you want. I'm, I'm a happy camper. Yeah. But I was happy they chose chose Jif, right? Choosy moms. <laughs> Choosy moms choose Jif. Anyways, so the resurrection, new life in Christ, heaven, the Holy Spirit coming. That week was was full of... It, it was a fast week because since it was only four days long, 
you know, and we had been up, we had been sort of immersed in the, the, the retreat by that point, you know, nearing the end of the retreat, and it just, those four days went by so fast. Um, I don't know, what, did anything surprise you about the, about the last, the last four days? Yeah, I can sometimes be pretty stubborn. Oh, can you? And so as we were, we were reflecting a few times on Doubting Thomas, which, uh-huh. poor guy, he's, he's a saint, but we all know him as Doubting Thomas, because of his famous stubbornness, when Jesus appears re- to all the apostles in the upper room, uh-huh. Thomas is, is out, uh, up to no good. No, yeah. we don't know. But he wasn't there. And so when he gets back and all the apostles are excited to, to tell, hey, Thomas, we saw the Lord. He's risen. It's true. He said, no, I, unless I see him for myself and I put my hand in his wounds, I will not believe. And as I was reading those words, because um, I had taken a lot of time on, on that passage, because I just felt like God wanted me to, to stay there. And so I was praying about it. And suddenly I realized that I was very much like Thomas, waiting for some sort of sign even though God's given me so many in so many ways, he's, he's shown me he's, and he's confirmed uh, that he's with me and he loves me and uh, this mm-hmm. beautiful vocation I have. There was, I guess some part of me that was still unsure or uncertain to uh-huh. take that last final step of total offering, mm-hmm. just surrender and give myself to God Yeah. because I guess I hadn't seen and that kind of seeing isn't faith because it's, it's very human. It's almost like a scientific proof that we would all love. Right. Show me, God, make make me know that you exist by mm-hmm. throwing a lightning bolt right now. Or, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and we can ask for the signs. Sometimes God will answer that. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, a greater gift that God can give us than throwing a lightning bolt or appearing to us one, you know, one evening is the grace of faith. Yeah. Faith is hope in things not seen. And I love that line. That's what hit me. It's, it's knowing, being certain of something that my eyes, physical eyes don't see, but the eyes of my heart do perceive, mm-hmm. and, and it's always going to be available to us. That's what I, I love. Kind of, I mentioned before that because of dryness and because of prayer not being easy during those 30 days, yeah. now I know that right now, this afternoon, I can go to a nearby church or I can go visit Jesus in the Eucharist, and even if I don't feel his presence, I know he's there. Yeah. And I can say, Lord, thank you for that gift of faith. Or even while you're making ice cream for 200 people tonight. <laughs> it's going to be good. It's, it's actually... <laughs> Gonna be pistachio oh, with man. little pistachios crunched up oh, if I, if I do it right. Um, but yeah, even in doing things like that, yeah. I mean, because most of the time you we're not in church. Most of the time we're not praying like consciously. Most of the time we're just living our normal life, our normal schedule. You know, little things here and there. And we need to find. You need, you need to, we need to have faith in those moments. And know? that's that's again going back to the spramuta. Uh, is yeah. uh-huh. our life is so much deeper and and sweeter and juicier when we begin to see and hear God inviting us to see him in our colleague and in our Mm -hmm. husband, wife, in our Mm -hmm. daughter, our son, our coach, whatever it is, whatever situation we're in, our siblings. Yeah, he speaks to us. Yeah, he's there. So thanks for joining us on this uh, little journey through our 30-day retreat, 30 minutes-ish. It was pretty, it was, yeah, it was 30 days and 30 minutes with beginning with 30-second challenge, of course. Oh, yes. Which, if you remember, was to take a pause (laughs) out in your day just 30 seconds um, to dedicate to God. If, uh, you know, consciously, you know, either at the beginning of the day or at the end of the day, just being with him for 30 seconds. Sounds like Brother Andrew is challenging all of us again. I think it is The 30-day day, day challenge is back on. Back alive. So, Brother Andrew, before we finish, can you give us a quick uh, 
sneak peek. Sneak peek. Of next episode. Sneak peek. A preview of next episode. Well, we've got a lot of things coming up in the next coming couple of weeks. Um, just some rapid fire points. We have a big meeting that's going to happen here in Rome. The Pope invited about 150 bishops from all over the world, ma mainly from South America, and they're going to talk about what the church, how the church can help people in the Amazon region. And some of our fellow brothers will be there, and so like talking to them, getting behind the, behind the scenes sneak peeks, we'll be able to share that with you. Yeah, we'll have to invite maybe one of these brothers, and he can he can give his first yeah, experience of of that. And then we also have the upper room apostolate. Yes. Ooh, so we'll have to tell you what that's about. And um, while well, classes start. Eh, wow, 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 wow. Classes are going to be starting. And also, again. I'm going to tell you about my trip with my parents ah, to yes. Spain and London. That's going to be. And yeah. one of those trips in, in London uh, to the Beddingfield Castle. Like, so, <laughs> Angie was laughing at my middle name last time, but we have a castle. Yeah, a castle named after. So, yeah. Beat that. Maybe you're named after the castle. <laughs> <laughs> so, just remember whatever we do, we don't just do it. We do quit. We do quit. It. It. So, this has been TGIFFF. Wait, that was three Fs for the TGI, F, F. There we go. Signing out. Signing out.